Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. How you guys doing? I would be doing a whole heck of a lot better if these fellas at EA could figure out how to properly match make. That yeah. would be that would be really great. I would really sure. appreciate that. Um, yeah. Is your skill rating zero too? <laughs> My skill rating is zero. Despite I had one game today where it was three on five, I was. Um, th- for the entire game, the game started three on five. I had forty kills and one hundred twenty thousand siege damage, and we almost won. And I was just—it oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. I literally would like fly out of the hangar in a tie bomber, wipe their team, destroy their corvette, move on to their ships, and like pray my two wingmen like only died a couple times, so like I had <laughs> enough time to like make a bobbing run or two. <laughs> um, yeah, it was bad. So the, the matchmaking is totally messed up. Like you can, like it'll even say, you know, if someone leaves from your team, it'll even be like, players have abandoned the game. This match will not be scored. It is safe to leave. And then you leave, and then you try and do a new match, and it's like you need to rejoin your match to avoid an MMR penalty. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I uh, that happened to me on like the first or second day where somebody somebody like left my game, and it was like, oh, it's safe to leave. And I was like, all right, well, this game doesn't get scored anymore, so screw it, I'm out. And then it was like, you lose fifty percent of your MMR for being a lever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> um, yeah. Not optimal. I was going to say your experience of not quite carrying hard enough was basically a simile for Luke Skywalker. He is but one model. He cannot carry the game by himself, usually. Hard disagree. Hot take. Operative Luke can carry many a game on his shoulders alone. I've seen it happen. Yes. You know what? There's a lot of things that Mike and I don't get it. You know, we'll agree on, but there there are a lot of hot takes that Mike will bring, and I will agree with those. And this is one of them. Why why take operative Luke when you can take two units of Mandalorian resistance? Uh, because lightsaber, baby. Yeah. Also, like Jedi mind trick, force push. Um, I mean, yeah. Luke's command cards, which are all stellar. Um, like Luke's worst command card is like a lot of other characters' best command card. What is Luke's worst command card? That's what, what I'm Luke? saying. Like you, you're like, uh, oh, what's Luke's worst command card? You really got to think hard about uh, it. Yeah, yeah, oh, I totally, I totally don't know if I agree with that though. It is a that is a game winning game. I'm a game winning card. It is a card that you'll use. I talked about this earlier in the Discord today. It is a card that you will use like only one in like six games. But that game that you use it in, like with the with the text on the card, I mean, the game that you use it in using that text on that card will win you the game. I've won games while playing I Am a Jedi. Like I, I turn six, um, trained in your Jedi arts, Grievous on key positions, going towards the center center KP, and I went for instead of slashing something with Luke, I went for a force push, disengage, double move to get near Grievous, 
to then shut him down with I am a Jedi while being safe in melee with something else. So as, but that's, but that goes with the saying that, yeah, again, it might be his worst card, but I want to put that in quotes because it's still a really freaking good card. Like that's the thing that like, David, you brought this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go off the deep end before we even start this podcast, I guess. But right. there's always that conversation of, well, Luke is 200 points, but I, so I can actually have two sets of Mandalorians or, or four sets of rebel troopers or two sets of Tauntauns. There's always, there's always this conversation of that. There are intangibles that come with Luke Skywalker that you cannot put into points. Like I can't stress that enough, like, whether it's force push. Yeah. That cost points. I get that, but it's an intangible Jedi mind trick. Like Mike alluded to like Jedi mind trick with master of the force is a drug. If you haven't done it, it is a drug <laughs> and it, it feels dirty when you do it, when you're just continually putting two suppression down, like last first thing with suppression on something important, like it is like ridiculous. And the reason why that's so good on op Luke, right. Is that he has disengage. So what I mean by that is you don't always have to use force push. So that's why Jedi mind trick is so good on operative Luke. But again, the intangibles of the command cards, six good command cards, you got Jedi mind trick force push all these things. Tenacity makes him an eight dice pool. That's like, he's like one of the one things that can like wipe an eight man B one squad, like effectively wipe an eight man B one squad, which is, not an easy thing to do. Okay. No. Uh, like you ever see like an eight man B one squad and say, I'm going to one shot that squad. It's like very rare t- kind of situation. I, like, I don't know. don't play clones enough, but, uh, well, hold on <laughs> aside besides from that. Yes. Like I understand big dice pulls and ton of aims me off. <laughs> and I get that, yeah, but you know. <laughs> I'm talking about a one, a one model. Like think about what Luke can do as one model. Anyways, you sent me off that path. Just wanted to get that off my chest. So yes, I'm gonna, it costs a lot of points. I'm going to steer you farther it? down that path, as long as we're here. Yes. It's interesting because I actually think um, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke, on paper, look super similar. And I'm really glad you brought up the intangibles because um, I think a lot of it has to do with what is like kind of folded around them, right? Like Luke yeah. works really well because you also can like get him in a 10 or 11 activation army it's very difficult to do that with kenobi and have it be effective the one wound is also like a huge like on paper you're like ah it's just one (laughs) wound it's not a big deal the amount of times that luke is like like old luke or kenobi dies like exactly and like one wound would have saved you is i don't know i find that like the, the threshold between six and seven is very different yeah, I agree. No, I totally agree. Like, I literally had a game probably like a month ago. I was like, ah, he's, he's got one wound left. I got a dodge token coming to me. Maybe I survive. Maybe I don't. I rolled exactly. I took three hits. I rolled two saves that and took the one wound. Had I had seven with Operative Luke, I would have been alive, and I would have easily won the game. Now, I almost won the game still with losing Luke in that unopportune situation. But again, that extra one hit point might sound crazy, like you said, but it's like, it's a lot. I don't know how to explain it. It just, it just feels like it's a lot different. I, I, mean, I, don't have the, I don't have the Photoshop skills to make this happen. Okay. But I need someone out there, a listener perhaps, uh, to make a movie poster parody of the Incredibles, except it's the intangibles with uh, Obi-Wan, Operative Luke, Emperor Palpatine, and Count Dooku on it. It's like all the 200 point voice users have the same problem. Genius. I don't, I, do they have the same problem though? 
Well, there's an airspeeder too in there somewhere. Well, it's like, <laughs> oh, hang on, we are not comparing any of those four to an the intangibles. But the intangibles, it's a speed. It can kill sniper strikes. No, never mind. I just different like, kind of intangibles. Different kind of intangibles. Yeah, Mo- kind. Most of the units you quoted on that list are competitively viable and or have taken down major tournaments. Oh, that is true. That is true. It's, it's, Palpatine it's just, has won has won two of the last three major tournaments. In yeah, the let's not forget. <laughs> Tauntauns, zero. Actually, I mean, that's not true. There was one winner. That's not true. One, one of the other three was Tauntauns. <laughs> well, no, no. One was in Australia with Tauntauns. Oh, okay. So two. Then. Yeah. I, if okay. I'm, I'm just saying in the US. Yeah, Riha with Riha. Uh, ta- okay. Tauntauns. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, so, so anyways, two, Kyle. Two Tauntauns, two Palpatine. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. There you go. So anyways, Kyle, how about the uh, housekeeping? <laughs> yeah, let's hit the housekeeping. Uh, yeah, so we have some new mats up for pre-order on the site, thefifthtrooper.com slash shop. Go check them out for pre-order. We have some new ones that have basically like hidden sizes on them. So there's that weird 40K size that's like, I don't know, 44 by 56 or something ridiculous like that. Um, something that you can't even make sidebars for. But on this new mat that we have, it is it is outlined basically in like the, it's hard to describe without having the mat physically in front of you, but it's essentially outlined as part of the terrain. If that makes sense. Like there's like roads and stuff. The, the, pattern, so, the pattern indicates where the edges would be. If yes, it was exactly. By 60, for it's not like a big obnoxious, you know, blue box or anything. It's, it's sort of worked into how the mat looks. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, you know, six by three, six by four, three by three. There's hidden markers for where like your intercept points would be on a legion table. So stuff like that. Yeah, go check them out, thefifthtrooper.com slash shop. Uh, Jay and Evan are also doing a King of the Hill battle tomorrow. Yeah, they are. Uh, actually, it'll be today when you're listening to this cast, right? Tuesday night? Yes, it will be Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern live streamed on our Fifth Trooper YouTube channel. So, um, we put out a sweet teaser for it yesterday. Um, feel free to check that out. Um, so that was fun to record. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to start calling you uh, Jerry Lawler. I don't even know who that is. So this is the thing, right? Like <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, Jay, we should do like a, you know, like a WWE like intro thing for this thing. And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. How do you want to do it? And I was like, I don't know. I've never actually seen it. Uh, so um, they kind of gave all the input and stuff for that. And so um, I assume that's who the host is. He was one of the hosts. Yeah, there was, uh, yeah, Jerry the King Lawler and what, JR. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm blanking on some other names. But yeah, those are the two main ones that you would see. Um I think there was what uh, Eric Cole or something on oh, Mike, Mike, Mike Cole, maybe. Um, but it was just funny. Like I, I had no idea that this was in the work. So like <laughs> I see this come up and I'm like, oh, King Hill, you know, I always watch our videos and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you're there and I'm just like, what is going on here? Mike didn't even mention this. Like and next thing you know, Jay's on with the sunglasses doing this like macho man, like Hulk Hogan type thing. I don't know which one. I think he was kind of trying to do Hulk, but he kind of was coming across as macho man. So I think it was a bit of both yeah, uh, mixed in the two. People. 
I mean, <laughs> like, I, I kind know of mashed them together. <laughs> in production, there was much talk of Macho Man or whatever his name is. So, Randy, yeah, Randy, Randy Savage. Savage. Randy Savage. Savage. Snap into a Slim Jim, Mike. Come on. Exactly. Oh, it's that Thank dude. You. Okay, it's, all right. Yes. I know that. That I know. Oh, I've yeah. seen those commercials. You know, that um, I love Slim Jims. Slim Jims are great. Uh, <laughs> Brought to you by Slim Jim, right? <laughs> We've got a new sponsor. Um, right. But yeah, so filming that was cool. Um, I hope everybody enjoys it. I think they're going to do a little something uh, tonight, too, centered around that. So um, we uh, we definitely had a little bit more editing that we didn't show uh, <clears throat> yesterday. So I just I need me a pair of those American flag sunglasses uh, that Jay was wearing. Fantastic! So those video alone worth it. Do you, Do you think you can actually see out of those? Uh, does it matter? That's fair. I mean, I'm just imagining like the people that wear those are also like on a motorcycle or something, right? Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it could be important in that situation. I mean, if you're wearing those, people will get out of your way anyway, so it's not a problem. Sun never sets, man. Sun never sets. The traffic just parts before you. Exactly. Uh, all right. So that should be fun. Evan is playing a separatist list with Grievous, Cad Bane, a bunch of B1s, and an AAT tank. Really can't go wrong with an AAT, in my opinion. No, I think, uh, you know, it's going to be... Uh, I mean, he's got a pretty good list. I do think that uh, he might have some order control issues. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but, um, you know, uh, having three um, important pieces and CAD, Grievous and um, the AAT don't care a ton when they go, but CAD really cares a lot, so... They just need to really if they need to really play into it and just like Dooku needs to be like Ric Flair, Cad Bane basically needs to be uh star uh gold dust because gold dust was, you know, painted gold so but you know since Cad Bane's uh blue, so I guess he can just be blue dust. Uh the AAT can be uh Rashiki. Uh, I guess I don't know. I'm trying to think of other um names that could go with that. Uh the B1s are just basically the guys that you throw into the ring that nobody cares about when it's um uh, what's that one where everyone uh, Royal Rumble? You throw yeah. a bunch of like all the important guys come out last, so all those like you know ch- like chess pieces like the um, the pawns go out first. You throw them into the ring, you throw them out. Nobody cares about the B ones and uh, and Jay's running triple bikes. I don't know how that plays into WWE. So um, I guess Veers Veers is like one of those wrestlers that hung around for like the longest time, but nobody cared about, or they liked him at first, and then like he kind of became obscure. So I guess I don't know. Maybe you can go with like uh, that's like the the John Cena or something like that. Everyone liked him, and now he's doing movies. Now nobody really cares about him, and he kind of goes off to the distance. So I guess that's uh, John Cena and Triple Bikes. No, and Triple Bikes is Triple H. Oh, there you go, Triple H. Perfect. I uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I actually think as long as we're asking people in the community to like make stuff for us, yo, first person to va- like paint veers with american goggles like american flag goggles for jay thumbs up all about it let's see let's see your pictures on facebook i'm sure somebody can do it um it's gonna be some fine detail work required for that but it would be sweet some some green stuff like macho man style hair coming out from under the helmet there yeah definitely All right, so let's move on to our main, one of our main topics. Get ready for advanced tactics. We're going to talk about Mandalorians today. So, David, you just wrote an article on Mandalorians. This, oh, yeah. this will this will be kind of our Mandalorian one hundred and one 
discussion. So do you want to uh, you want to walk through their unit card real quick? Sure. So Mandos are a new special forces unit for the Rebel Alliance. Uh, so we had the Commandos, we got Wookies, we had Pathfinders, and now we have Mandalorian Resistance, which are in a format uh, unbeknownst or unknown to the Rebel Alliance because they're a a unit in the Rebel faction that is not a hero or an operative that has a red die with a surge to defense. Um, for their defenses. They also have Surge to hit, which is awesome. Uh, a lot of Rebel units have Surge to hit. Um, one wound each uh, for the generic resistance, two Courage. It's about, you know, kind of what you'd expect for a Special Forces unit. Uh, they're range two, sad face. Um, but the caveat there is that they have speed three and jump two. So they are very fast. They are able to ignore height to terrain. They also have impervious like Sabine would have and nimble like Sabine would have. So they're basically a unit version of Sabine Wren, which is really sick. Like if you, like you already could take like one Sabine Wren, now you have the chance to take like three like pseudo Sabine Wrens in your army because they're, they're not, they're kind of like her, but they're not quite like her. Cause they have, um. They have four models apiece if you take the generic kind. But then there's this other mode for them. Uh, they're supposed to be analogous to the uh, Inferno Squad slash ISF. So this is Mandalorian Resistance slash Clan Wren, where you can take uh, Ursa and Tristan as their heavy weapons in that squad, as well as a generic two health Mandalorian kind of to sort of round out the squad. So. They then they also get this special keyword called retinue. So as long as they hang out next to Sabine, they get this awesome free token. Uh, it doesn't matter if they have line of sight to her or not. They just need to hang near her, and they'll get the token from her. And it can be an aim or a dodge. And that's really important because there's a lot of keywords on this unit that need tokens to fire. So like a nimble needs a dodge token, or Tristan as a heavy weapon who has you know. Uh, lethal needs a name token for lethal. And then uh, for the generic unit, the Biscad Duelist, which is this like heavy weapon, generic heavy weapon, it's a swordsman basically. He'll get two red in melee. He can of course shoot the base weapon as well, a base pistol. Um, but he gets this really cool keyword called Duelist, which lets you, when you spend a name token for the normal effect during melee attack, you gain Pierce one. And if you spend a dodge token, in melee while defending, you can get immune pierce, which is really sick if you're in melee. I, I think in the article I refer to them as diet Jedi. That's kind of what they are. As long as they have tokens, they have like similar stats and abilities to Jedi, and you can take multiples in your list. And so people have been rocking the Mandalorian skew a little bit as it, on online and sort of experimenting with it. I haven't made that commitment. I own two boxes, but I haven't gone the full hog to get a third box. Um, and then I have to mention one other thing. Um, so you know how Boba has the jetpack rocket? <laughs> well, now you have jetpack rockets as a unit upgrade. Um, jetpack rockets can be equipped to any style of these guys as an armament. And uh, it is range three to four. It has an X, which means it discards after one use. Single red die per mini. So on the full the full generics, you'll get four red dice at range four. Blast, which means it ignores cover. So it's like a Leia bombardment because Leia has sharpshooter two. It has an equivalent effect to blast essentially. 
Um, and then it has impact one. So for every copy of the rocket, you'll gain a, a point of impact. So this is like impact four if you shoot it at a tank. So it's pretty nasty. Um, and you can take a copy of this on each of your mandos. So one of the first like things that folks hit on when they saw this card is like, wow, if I take Leia and I take three of these things, uh, I could get some huge turn one barrage without much effort, considering that these, these uh, troops have speed three. It's supremely easy to get in range four or something on the first turn. And then you add like recon intel to that. Right. And so like one of the, one of the big things is like, you know, I'm going to go with my recon intel speed one, jump up with my speed three offensive push, and then shoot this red dice with an aim kind of like tauntauns to like make my chance of getting four hits on whatever target I'm shooting some high percentage, like 90, 90 plus, I think with one aim. Um, I think it's only like 75 without, which is why the aim makes it better. But, um, the, the point is, is that you have some huge quantity of reds that can subvert cover now on, on the first turn. And it actually is kind of an, it's an alpha strike. It's a rebel alpha strike, a legitimate one because of the cover denial. Yeah. I, I actually almost think they're, I don't want to say the words auto include because it's hard to say that in this game, but whenever, yeah. I'm, whenever I'm building them, I feel like they're an auto include for, I think different reasons than what might've already been stated. And what I mean by that is, yeah, you get the alpha strike. Yes, it's quality dice. But what you're also doing is forcing your opponent to actually have to think about them and react to them. So let's say I put Mandalorians on the table and I don't have rockets. They can now kind of play around the fact that I don't have them. But if I have them, they now have to make every decision that they make revolve around the fact that they know that I have them. Um, you know, we talked about intangibles earlier with Luke Skywalker. Um, that's an intangible from the Mandalorians that I think is something that might get overlooked. Like you, like everything gets point, put to the points where it's like, all right, it's eight points. It's good dice. You know, it's an alpha strike. I get it. But the intangible of it is that your opponent has to think about it and they have to, you know, react to that, which is super important in this game. I think at least in my mind, like whenever I'm playing a game, whatever is across from the table is important to how I'm playing on my side of the table and seeing those rockets on one side or not is just a completely different game, in my opinion. What do you think of the uh, Tristan combo with the rockets? Oh, you mean the, um, oh yeah, we forgot to mention that. <laughs> so uh, the other the other half of the jetpack rockets conversation is Tristan as the heavy weapon has a range of three, but Mandos have a base range of two. So the rockets kind of bump the range of the rest of the squad, and they also give the attack pool blast. So you end up in this place where you're shooting with Tristan, and then you're shooting with the rest of the squad's rockets. So you get three red from the squad, two black from Tristan, and this attack pool has blast, lethal, suppressive, and if you're shooting a vehicle impact three or an armored, an armored unit like a B2, something like that, um, you get all those keywords together it's it's really nasty let's get real here it's eight points to have boba's card best command card like by a lot yeah yeah it's legit i think i think i think the conversation gets a little interesting when you start talking about clan ren and i can understand why folks might not want to spend the eight points on the rockets for on clan ren because 
It's only a three model squad. Um, and I get that, but if you combine the rockets, if you have the token generation that you need, or you get the Mandalorians into a position where they're fine, let's say it's with Sabine, you have Clan Ren, which is who you mostly kind of run with, right? Mm -hmm. And you, and you take an aim, you now have an aim that you can use for Ursa's long shot, which you were mentioning. And yeah, you might probably end up losing out on Tristan's suppressive, I mean, not lethal, you might not be able to find a second aim, but like you're still throwing quality dice. Like you throw the one red with the um, generic model in Clan Ren. You throw Tristan's double black suppressive, and then Ursa throws a rainbow, if I'm not mistaken. She throws a black, a white, and a red. So you're throwing three red, one white, two black suppressive at range three with blast. But that is a quality dice pool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get that eight points seems like a lot for quote unquote one red. I mean, there's going to be a situation when you throw three red at something too, right? There's always going to be that thing. But I'm just saying, if you're, if you have that position where you can put all three of those weapons combined, it's a really quality dice pool when you surge to hit. Um, if you can get a second aim, it's even better. But typically, you don't want your Mandalorians in a position where they're at range three or something and take the aim action and then shoot because then they're stuck in that position. Uh, which we'll get to with, with strategies later on. But I just wanted to say like the combination with the rockets with both Tristan and Ursa, while it might not seem ideal to just throw the one red, it's still okay because like it's a good dice pool. I think you can, you can have, that's a debate, right? Cause you can say, do I take this, do I pay eight for the possibility of that, of that blast attack or do I take a bid? Cause I think that's where we're, where you're like writing is like because mandos are also really good at specific objectives which we'll we'll get to in a minute here but i could see I think, a case i could see uh, a case for just also taking no rockets and going and spending an extra two points for hq uplink certainly too. like there's a different way of you know there's a lot of upgrades that work well with the mandalorians which is you know the interesting part i think in the article i talk about hero synergies and the list is like a mile long like every rebel hero has some synergy with this unit it's really good yeah i mean a lot of rebel um rebel command cards hand out dodge tokens right and uh mm -hmm. turns out mandalorians really really like dodge tokens um for a variety of reasons um i think how you use your tokens specifically aim tokens on this unit um you have to be kind of careful with it because like like you were alluding to you've got like three different ways to spend an aim token on a ursa tristan unit yep. and making sure you spend it on the right thing i think is kind of important like long shot probably comes first right because you're just adding dice to the pool but i think that like you a if you get a second aim token like do you spend it on pierce or you just spend it on rerolls like it's kind of a dt pool um, like a range four DT pool with, with blast and, you know, I mean, it's not that far off it. Um, so I don't know, uh, if DTs had blast, that'd be real good. Yeah. If they had shark, if they had pierce, that would also be real good. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, yeah. like seems good. Um, I also think that like it's, it's roughly equivalent to like a, um, a range three full arc shot. You know, it's not that different. It doesn't have a ton of aim tokens to back it up, which I think is the primary difference. But, um, you know, they're, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I kind of just kind of uh, feeding back on what you guys were talking about earlier. You know, we talked about them being range two and we've talked about the rockets and stuff. I think it's important to note that um, 
there are range two units that are effective in this game that shouldn't be a turnoff and all of the range two I shouldn't say all, but most of the range two units that are effective in this game, guess what they are? They're Mandalorians. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I uh, don't let that kind of throw you off on this unit, I think, because I think at first glance, you're like, range two, everybody's playing this range game. They've got jump, they're move speed three. Like, they can really get in there. Yeah, there's like a huge difference when the range two is on a courage one body with speed two and no mobility at help at all versus on a range on a speed three body with jump two with a red save with surge like there's a huge difference there so just because you know fleets are bad you know don't think that's universally the case for range two the body it's attached to really matters yeah and and doesn't ursa have like dauntless yeah she has dauntless too yeah so good like dauntless is like Again, it's just like an intangible like part. And it's just gonna be my word for the night, guys. Sorry. But like Dauntless is like, all right, I know that you guys don't like the Darksaber or you're not like the biggest fans of it. It's it's a lot of points to bring Dauntless. I get that. I've always been big on the Darksaber just because of Dauntless. Now that's a big tax to pay for it. I get that. Um, and it's a whole nother discussion. But my point is is that Dauntless is so major because it's on a unit that most likely wants to move and shoot or shoot and move most of the time. And if they have suppression on them from something from long range and and now all of a sudden they don't have that move, guess what? You still get that move because Ursa is like, nah, we're going for it. Um, And that is like super important to that unit. Well, there's one important clarification there is that Dauntless only allows you to do the first thing, not the second thing. Oh, sorry. Yes. You have, you yeah. have to move first. Yeah. If yeah. You want to use Dauntless. Yeah. Sorry. Move, move, yeah. shoot. Yeah. But yeah. Move, shoot, rather than shoot, move. But yes. Great. Yeah. Um, it's like a poor man's compel basically. It's literally compel on one unit instead of an aura. Well, right. I would argue it's better than compel. And, uh, I don't want to go super down this rabbit hole, but, um, often like you don't want to get Krennic into the fray right whereas like like keeping krennic next to the unit that you need to compel is sometimes difficult whereas like the units that have dauntless like a lot of the time always need it you know and like but you you always know you have access to it unless you're like panicking or whatever but um at that point (laughs) the ship has sailed um so just a quick quick thought on that yeah Yeah. i mean sorry to cut you off there Kyle but like going back to what you're saying David and like what your article alludes to um what are we taking for upgrades like I mean recon intel basically stapled to any Mandalorian unit in my opinion um I'm sure you all agree on that but after that I think there's like a lot of conversations to be had like um it all I mean it's gonna always boil down to whether you want to, you know, like what kind of bid you want to take and you're going to want to take a bid with Mandalorian list, in my opinion. Like if you're bringing Mandalorians, bring a bid. That's just, I'm straight up saying that now. But like offensive push on best gad duelist squads almost seems like, I don't want, again, I don't want to keep on saying this stapled, but like if you've got the room for it, you're throwing it on there because those aims, like a move, aim, and into a melee situation is like super key to the best cads like, you know, efficiency. Yeah. I mean, O-Push, O-Push depends on rhythm, right? And I guess we should, we could back up and say training is like the hotly contested slot because there's a 
bunch of good options for these for these um, for Mandos. The three that I think are the standouts are offensive push, tenacity, and um, situational awareness. Right, and you can only have you only choose one. Um, offensive push seems like an obvious choice if you're taking Cassian because you have the free recover. Um, but on the best scads specifically, there's kind of a um, there's two ways to think about it. One is I'm going to try to end my turn and then jump into melee and swing because because this whole this whole conversation is centered around the fact that Mandos do not have charge at any point. They don't they don't have charge. They don't have relentless. Which if they did, they'd be completely busted. Um, so uh, if you you have to say to myself, okay, am I going to sit in hiding? two speed three moves away and then double move into melee with my target and then on my turn aim and swing in which case i don't need offensive push or am i going to or am i going to um jump to where i could be within one move play a card win priority pop up link potentially if it's a high if it's like a one pip and then jump into melee with offensive push and then swing the whole the whole thing is in the, it's in the name of getting to melee with an aim and that's that's really the issue is like where do i slip that third action in because i want to get that aim token to get my pierce um i think a lot of folks are are thinking the safe play is to go last and double move that's possibly the safest play and so offensive push looks a little less attractive there are also times though where you can use it not for melee um, offensive push, you can also tie in with Cassian's free recover. You can tie it in with Leia doing no time for sorrows. Uh, she'll play no time for sorrows. You pop offensive push, gain tactical. You get that little move forward, take your aim from tactical, shoot, and then duck down away, and you shoot with your aim token out. So that's really good for, say, like Tristan, who wants a, a pierce on his attack and also wants to get to safety. Um, but you know that's that's like all the arguments for offensive push i think and that one seems to me like the, the most like blatantly offense or offense oriented pick um obviously if you have the free recover from cassian it get doubles in value essentially and i'm always of the opinion that like if you're going into melee you'd prefer a pierce than not because we know that we know from experience as rebels, right? We know that our flamer RT can bounce off red dice. We know that melee that doesn't pierce bounces off red dice. We knew that from Wookiees and from Tauntauns. So if we can get pierce, we want it because we want to make sure this attack works. Um, the other the other option is we have tenacity. So if we take if we take wounds, we replace our black white with a red, and that's actually not a it, it's not a huge downgrade, right? You have seven facings on a red dice. On a black white with surge, you get eight facings. So you really don't take that much of a hit overall in terms of damage. And it makes your it makes your Mandalorians kind of sticky. And there is a chance when they run up into engagement that they run away from your medics. So there's always there's a good argument there for tenacity as well. Um you could also so I mean, those, um, go ahead. Take like it's it's worth noting that there's the opportunity to increase base damage completely because like on clan ren they all have two wounds right so yeah. like tenacity can trigger without a model being dead and right. um, i think similarly i'm not encouraging this but i think tristan is not actually a unit leader right no tristan is not a unit leader but ursa is so theoretically you could like take a wound intentionally on tristan 
to like trigger tenacity in melee if you wanted to on like on the normal squad i'm not i'm not condoning it yeah don't (laughs) but but (laughs) like but like i'm sure that there is a corner case in some game somewhere well that will where that would be the correct play the place Um, where i think it really makes a difference is clan ren actually because you can take the wound of the generic the generic mando and clan ren it's interesting the base mandalorian resistance unit i don't know if this is a misprint or not the base Mandalorian resistance unit throws black white in melee. Clan Ren throws black black. They actually don't downgrade. So you can take a tenacity on Clan Ren and get, if you have the full unit, six black and a red. No pierce though is the problem. So, but that's still pretty damn good. I think that's like better than their shooting, actually. If you if you look at it, if you if you leave the pierce out, it's actually better than their shooting to have tenacity in melee with full models. Yeah, I mean, so there's that's an interesting like, argument there. That's like operative Luke without the Pierce, basically. Basically, yeah, you know? they become another melee beat stick, which is like, wow, these things are tough. And that's something that you know, if you don't take dark saber on Sabine, something your list doesn't have, unless you have like K two or something. There's there's multiple styles of lists where you run Cassian and Sabine alongside Mandos, and whether you put K two in or not, it's whatever. But, um. But yeah, they they're strong in melee. There's no doubt. I do think that, generally speaking, especially with Clan Ren, but I think this goes even for the Mandos with the best guy duelist. I think you probably still generally want to your primary mode to be ranged attacks, unless you're like you know playing a linebacker role against melee units coming into your lines, simply because they don't you know unlike force users, they don't have any way to get out of melee if they're stuck in one, so they can be tied up by a single dude if they leave a single dude alive and they don't have any recourse there except to whack him or withdrawal. So, you know, they have similar uh, issues with like consistent melee that Wookiees have, which is basically that once they're stuck in, that's, you know, that's the course you're committed to. And you might even be committed to it with that specific unit. So um, now that said, there's, there's lots of great situations where you want to tie up a melee unit, but I definitely don't think, you should go into a game with three mandos with best guy duels thinking like i'm going to just charge these at my opponent's line and start slicing things up no they should definitely shoot yeah yeah that's actually like what happened in my last yavin game um because i'm playing the the mando skew and i have two best guy duels in clan run with sabine and i have but the thing is that i I like like what you're saying kyle is i looked at it as like as like a tool like rather than going in saying I'm going to take my best cat duels and just shove them down my opponent's throat, I'm going to like play the rebel way. And what I mean by that is that I was like dipping and dunking and like moving around and forcing some weird shots to happen and then jumping onto buildings and taking shots. And something that came up, David was like something that you kind of brought up was like, not to the, not to the exact point that you brought it up, but something similar was I backed my unit up, I took a I took a rocket shot the next turn because I was a little bit too a little bit further than I thought I was. I know time for sorrows move them up, and I took a full speed two move to then shoot the squad that I just hit with rockets to try and finish them off early because I was playing Vaps, and I tapped offensive push there. And rather than because it's the Beskad school, like, like I brought the offensive push for the Beskad, but it was an it wasn't about always get it's not about always getting that pierce. It's just having that tool in your belt, and. Yeah, I think melee with, you know, melee with the best cad is enticing, but there's going to be games where it's great and there's going to be games where you need to realize don't do it. 
Um, one of them being VAPs. Like I didn't want to charge my opponent and like melee something and then trade down because I didn't melee well. They withdraw, I get shot, I die. Or I melee them, they throw a pip, uh, like a one pip disengage and I don't have HQ uplink and they start shooting me and I die. Like I'm, I'm trading downward. You just could have to like, no matter what training you put on them or what other upgrades you put on them, you need to just realize the situation that you're in and whether that's to be ranged melee, maybe a bit of both. Um, it's just have that, like that thought process going in with them, no matter what is that they're a tool. They don't need to be a one dimensional thing. Yes. They might be great in melee. Yes. They're also great at shooting. Do whatever is best for the moment that you're in. Exactly. I was going to say it works the other way too. Right. Cause I, the flip side of this also is, you know, I'm a Biscat duelist and I have Pierce and melee and I have a red save. So if I'm with surge, right. So I can beat down just about anything one-on-one, -on -one, you know, bar a Jedi. Right. And so you were saying, you know, you look at the sports state and they say, okay, well, there's this far objective or this evaporator that's like lightly defended. Maybe I can run my best guy over there and murder it because, you know, they're just so good and they have such high dice pool that they can eradicate a unit quickly. You know, so, so it works, it works both ways. And, and like you say, it's a tool in your belt, right? You're, you're trying to apply the correct dice pool to the situation mathematically and positionally. That's really what it comes down to. And I actually think that like, this is where Mando's shine in a way, a lot of other units in this game don't, um, most units have a very, like, when you take them in your list, they have a very specific role, right? You take a Rebel Z6 unit, like, you're not charging it into melee pretty much ever intentionally, right? I'm going to take a sniper unit. It's going to shoot things from range 5. Like, that's its job. Um, I'm taking Luke. He's going to, you know, kind of make the, the board a little messy for my opponent, and then he's going to jump in and start chopping things up. And I think when we talk about Mandalorians, and, you know, you guys are talking about them as tools... Um, I think unlike a lot of other units, each upgrade that you can apply to a Mando squad really um, allows you to like decide which tool you're going to use that game, right? So if I take if I take a, a full Mando squad or a Clan Ren and I give them rockets and I give them O push, like they're very effective at range four, they're very effective at range three, range two, and melee. And I can decide when to use these one-shot tools when I need them. And I think that that's very important because um, I actually, uh, we can talk about this more when we get to the objective part, but I actually sort of disagree that you need to be blue player and need a bid with these guys. I think they are very good at adapting to situations. Um, in that, like, specifically if you take them with all the things, right? Like, if you don't take them with all the things, I think they're less good at that. Like, I think you need to take the rockets for them to be, like, super versatile. But I think once you once you hit this critical mass of, I took an offensive push, you know, I've got Tristan, you know, I, I, have, I have my rockets. You know, all of a sudden you've got this, this uh, range 2 melee unit that can also, like, flex into a range 4 you know blast that naked rebel trooper carrying a box off at like an effective range of range five plus um with a speed three move and range four like it just it gets it gets complicated right and you have this unit like it's jumping over terrain you know like um and i think all of the the mandos unlike a lot of other units are very much uh more than the sum of their parts 
Yeah, they're extremely versatile. You know, and for those that follow baseball, you might be familiar with the five tool player uh, expression. I but it basically, it basically means that, you know, like a player that's good at everything. Now, they might not excel specifically in any one of those things. Like a five tool player may not be like the best power hitter in the league. You know, they might not be like the very best defender, but they're pretty darn good at all those things. Um, and the Mandos are the same. Like, they're, they're not going to be the very best shooting unit in the game, right? They're not going to be the very best melee unit in the game, but they're good at both of those things. Good enough. And you, you did, you mentioned the, you know, they can be comfortable as red player. That's definitely true. I'm personally in, in the bidding camp simply because while they're not really bad at any objectives, they're exceptionally good at a few objectives. And we can talk about those here in a minute. Um, Let's 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 finish rounding out the upgrade discussion real quick. One training upgrade we haven't talked about yet is situational awareness. What do you guys think of situational awareness on both the resistance and on clan run? I, I wanted to ask you because I didn't include this in my article because I forgot how to calculate it. <laughs> um, so I know that Mandalorians have have twelve effective wounds because it's it's four total wounds divided by the failure chance. So they have so they have twelve just without nimble right so but then they have like if you had like clan ren with a dodge all the time which they're gonna have if you position them properly like what does their wound count actually go to isn't it something huge like 15 it's some very large number well so clan ren has even without dodge tokens has 18 because they have six health that's right which is ridiculous yeah Um, but uh it's there's there's not like a good way to calculate it simply because it depends on how many times you're attacked and the size of the dice pool, like a dodge token, when you have situational awareness, strips one basically strips one dice every single time. So if you get attacked five times, it's different than if you get attacked three times or ten times, right? right. It's not like a it's not like an attack pool where you can just figure out an average. Whoa, dude, my mind just got blown. Okay, <laughs> no, no, hang on, just hang on a second. Okay, that means that a portable scanner is better than Sabine Shield. If Sabine takes situational awareness, Sabine's shield is 10 points. A portable scanner is worth six. The 10 point uh, shield needs to refresh. It cancels one result of any type. Nimble situational also cancels one result of any type, except you paid six points instead of 10. Doesn't yeah. need to refresh, takes an action. It takes an action. That's the big thing. Like, yeah. when does Sabine have an extra still, action? But yeah, but well, still, like, whoa, holy crap. That means that shield is worthless. I mean, she could also just dodge. Right. Right. She could also just dodge, right? But you know what I mean. Like yeah. just, just for the yeah. extra result. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's <laughs> no, you want to talk about running her with yeah. Leia and putting a portable scanner on Leia. Uh hell yeah. Well that's that's actually how I was gonna answer. The original question was I think the situational awareness conversation is actually situational. Um it depends on who you're taking with the Mandalorians. Um Clan Ren. I think you put situational on it because most most of the time you're bringing Clan Ren with Sabine. I I don't think you're really bringing Clan Ren unless you're bringing Sabine. Like they just kind of go together. That's how they are the most effective, uh, in my opinion. And that's probably how you're gonna want to run them. And I think situational makes tons of sense on Clan Ren. Mandalorian squad, it gets a little dicey depending on who you take. If you bring Leia, I can see a case for bringing situational because you're going to be passing them dodges. And like you said, maybe you throw a portable scanner on and this dodge is going everywhere. Um, I'd argue 
that you'll get value out of situational awareness for the first round or two. Um, and then it's probably going to go by the wayside because Leia can't keep up with them. Um, and again, offensive push, you're only going to probably use it on one turn too. So I think you have to weigh in a lot of different things. Um, and this is just strictly with a Leia build, right? One, how many times do you think you're going to get dodges from Leia? How many times do you think you're going to use offensive push? Usually just going to be one. Leia dodges probably one or two, right? Offensive push is four points. Situational awareness is two points. Where am I bid? Where's my bid at? What do I want it on? Can I, I mean, there's always a chance where you mix and match. Maybe one of them keeps situational. One does offensive push. There's all different ways to do it. Now, if you're bringing Cassian, I think you bring offensive push and it's not a debate. Um, you know, other than that, I don't, I mean, I mean there's a debate. Yeah. I, you know, I, I get it, but I think, I think with volunteer mission, offensive push value, just, it goes from a four point upgrade to basically like, like it's, it's just basically two points, right. Cause you're getting like, or like you're getting a double, right. But it's only for four points because of volunteer mission, giving you the free refresh, which is like insane. Um, situational awareness. Yes. It's always going to be there, but how many times you're going to get a dodge from Cassian and how many times are you going to take the dodge action as a Mandalorian squad almost seems like nil. Uh, I don't think, I mean, very rarely am I going to see myself taking a dodge action yeah. with the Mandalorian squad. They have like no time to dodge like ever hardly. Right. Yeah. I actually think that um, the only time you should put situational on a Mando squad is Clan Red. And I think it should be like all the time. Um, with that being said, uh, I think that the, the generic Mando squads are super fragile. Um, I think like they look like they should be super hardy. Um but they're really like four man arc squads and like like when you lose a dude out of an arc squad like it's a big deal when you lose a dude out of a mando squad i would argue it's probably even bigger deal um but the nice thing that the mandos have is they have speed three and jump two so you should pretty much always have them in a place where they shouldn't can't get shot is is how i would like have this discussion like situational should be irrelevant on everything other than clan ren because they shouldn't be getting shot until you decide to dive and when you dive it should be too late for them to shoot you um and i mean like don't get me wrong you're gonna take shots over the course of the game but i i think situational really only shines with nimble like if you only use it once eh, you know like clan ren can like seriously soak some damage um, but the other Mandos are like, as soon as they soak damage and take a casualty, you're like, mm, I, I really wish they didn't get shot at at all. You know, I don't know. One thing we haven't discussed also is, are we glorifying the effect of nimble or the effect of situational? Because situational just covers the hole in nimble, which is Chris. So, you know, it's two points, right? But at the same time, um, there comes a point where this is a wasted two points because there was going to be a hit you could have dodged in the attack pool anyway. So sometimes it, it shuts off because you're getting hit by a big enough dice pool that the distinction between a hit and crit stops mattering. Yeah, I think I think the value in situational comes from when you're getting shot by ARC troopers and BX, um, ma- mainly ARC troopers. I mean, because they're, yeah. they're surged to critical, you know, they have critical one. Um, and most of the time, I think uh, an opponent's going to take a shot at your Mando squad at range five if you give it to them. 
Um, so, I mean, the, the key to that is to just make sure that you position your mandos correctly where situational wouldn't even matter against an arc shot, right? Exactly. Um, which is what speed three, jump two is like, those are the things that you need to focus on. And we talked about it last week, I think, when we were discussing um, what we were discussing, recover the supplies, surveying, surveying the battlefield with Mandalorians is super important. You got to survey, you know, once like the battlefield's determined, survey where you can go with them and figure out what pieces of terrain that you can utilize to your advantage in such and such, you know? I just want to say, I agree with what Mike said. If you are looking, if you're an end word, you're saying Zach, if you're looking at the board and you're observing the board well enough and you're positioning well enough, nimble won't matter. Or it'll matter not hard. It'll matter like so little that offensive push is just such a massive benefit that you won't even care. Yeah. I mean, I think I like the shorthand that you came up with there, Mike, basically, which is situational to run offensive push to regular because they have two very different roles. If you guys have all alluded to already, Right. Clan Ren is exceptionally tough. They get their dodge tokens for free if you run them with Sabine. Um, whereas the Mandalorian Resistance is much more like a token scalpel unit where they do good damage, they're very fast, but any sort of concentrated fire is going to melt them. So, yeah, I like... They're two very different roles. If you're taking Clan Ren, you're taking them as like an objective-focused unit where the point is for them to get shot or to do things that involve, you know, some degree of danger, like grabbing boxes or going after evaporators or dropping bombs on bombing run or whatever, because they're so durable, right? Because they get those dodge tokens for free. And I think you're sort of leaning into their role there when you give them situational awareness. It they're, Since they have jump, they're going to be in heavy cover a lot. So that shaves off two hits, right? And then chances are by the time you shave off two hits against a lot of dice pools, all that's left are going to be crits. So you're getting more extra mileage out of that when they're in heavy cover. And because they have jump and such high mobility, they should be in heavy cover most of the time. If you get a Mando squad caught in the open, that's you've done something horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So key takeaway uh, before we even get into the strategies is to just like, again, the most important thing with them is moving and jumping and like Kyle said, getting heavy cover, like everything else is just gravy is positioning them is so important. Yeah, no, I agree. I also, um, I wanted to touch a little bit, um, David, you had posed the question, um, are we over glorifying nimble or situational awareness? Um, yeah. and I actually think situational awareness generally is like actually not nearly as good as people think it is. Um, yeah. for the most part, like, don't get me wrong. I think it has a place. Um, it's super cheap, and if you don't need a bid, it's great. Um, but I think that if you're sticking it on anything that's like not a nimble unit, it's kind of questionable. Um, and anything that doesn't take large, like, um, like multiple shots in a given turn, it's kind of like, what what am I doing here? You know, um, it's better spent on like recon intel is much more dependably um, usable. Same points cost. Um, there will be times when you're like, man, I really wish I had situational awareness right now. Um, but I, I think that those cases, while they feel bad, are much more rare than you think. And oftentimes when there are only one crit, it's often a sniper strike team that has high velocity. 
Um, and situational awareness does not get you out of that pickle. Yeah. I mean, the best case in the best case scenario, right? Like if I, if I look at this, right, nimble impervious is like semi-analogous to the role of danger sense on paths, except that danger sense can resist piercing high velocity units, but impervious, but um, nimble can't because high velocity shuts off the dodge. And it's sort of like, you know, I have a three or I have a, a sorry, I'm going to say three up save. I have a red dice with surge anyway that has impervious some large percentage of the time, 66% of the time, if you roll average, it should be able to handle it. So do I really need that extra little bit of coverage when I could be piercing in melee or range? Hard to say. I just feel like the value of a, again, I'm going to use 40k terminal, the value of a piercing wound, mortal wound is extremely high. Yeah, no, totally. And I also think that going back to you guys' discussion about Cassian, you know, um, anything that like recovers stuff for free, it's like you're just like putting investments into like these stock funds that are just paying dividends, like all game. You know, you're like, oh, four points into Opush? Well, I'm getting like eight points back, you know? And like, um, I think that... whenever you can kind of um, abuse an exhaustible upgrade to unexhaust it without paying the real cost um, is like, is really good. You know, that's why master of the force is really good. Right. Uh, that's the most obvious example, but you know, yep. veers is recover. Like, you know, we, we see people doing things like, you know, recovering, you know, uplink, uh, you know, a gun on DTs or, or stuff like that. Like once you start, you know, recovering multiple things with it, it can kind of get out of hand. So, um, yeah. I, I think you're right. Offensive pushes, especially if you have access to those free recovers is just, it's like free money. I was also thinking like medics because treat is free you know, run into a similar, a similar situation, right? Where it's like, I, t- I paid, I just had to pay the points for this medic and I can, if I'm only healing Mandos, I'm getting, I'm investing 18 points of rebel medic and I'm getting like 50 something back 54 to 60, depending on how heavy I upgraded this Mando unit, I'm getting it back. And I could say, like I could say that with confidence because I didn't have to spend any additional actions. I just had to pay points to get this thing back because treat is free. And so I think that goes into the whole like dividends thing, right? I'm investing in I'm investing in my mandos because I know I'm going to get value, and I can put the, that value into 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 points. Are you putting anything in their com slot? Oh, uplink. Uplink is so important, I think, for them, especially because you might want to move with them first, and you might have one. In fact, I'm not going to say you might. You will absolutely have one pips in lists that do not control them. So uplink is huge for them. I think it's no contest. Like I, I, I allowed that comms jammer could work, but I don't think, I think it's, that's even more situational. I don't hate comms jammer. I don't hate it either. Yeah. Um, I, so I have like a love hate relationship with HQ uplink. I like every time I'm like, man, I really wish I had HQ uplink here. And then I like build a list and I'm like, man, I don't have 10 points. Like it's just, this isn't going to work out. We're just, we're not built for each other. And like, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, I, if it was me, I'm probably leaving it blank um, just because I, that's just kind of where I tend towards um, on, on like 
units that cost less than 200 points <laughs> um but you know i mean like hq up like on your atst or whatever i think that's like a different conversation but um i mean i could see it i just uh i think you're i think mandos tend to already have a lot of points invested into upgrades mm-hmm. um and i personally like it, it, would like to err on making them as lean as possible because they also feel like a unit that while they are often durable and hard to kill um they're a unit that's probably not going to survive most games yeah know? there is such a thing as over investing yeah and yeah. so i just i don't know that's kind of where i feel on it um Kind of like why I boiled it down earlier. I think I had the same sentiment as you, Mike, just in kind of like a different way. But what I like, what I alluded to earlier was like, if I'm buying the rockets, I'm most likely not buying HQ uplink. I think I'm doing one or the other, um, because you're if you do both, you're investing 18 points into one that you can't you can't use for the rest of the game, and two one that exhausts and you have to recover to get it back. Um, like that's a lot of points to tie into an expensive unit already, uh, for quote unquote luxury upgrades. Right. Um, so I, I, I actually fall on the same, the same path as you, Mike, I probably wouldn't run uplinks. Um, but if I were, I would drop like rockets and throw it on there and just eat the two point difference on like, let's say like a clan Ren and like a Sabine, you know, like a Sabine, it all depends on like the list. Right. Um, it kind of circle back on that. Like what, do you think you're going to see the most of like, are you going to see like one Mandalorian squad with two snipers? Do you think you're going to see two Mandalorians with, you know, one sniper is a Mandalorian skew like 100% competitive. I don't know. I'm running it right now in, in Yavin. And I kind of think it is like, I kind of went into it thinking this seems crazy. I'm running three Mandos with Sabine and Leia and I'm running na- naked rebel troopers, which I, I, if you know me, I hate it. Um, it's kind of the reason why I hated, you know, Tauntauns and I still hate Tauntauns, but that's kind of like just how my mind works with the game. I feel like I'm playing Legion when I'm playing Mandalorians. I don't feel like I'm playing Legion when I'm playing Tauntauns, if that makes any sense. Um, but I'm playing an infantry style game with bodies on the table rather than Tauntauns that are just doing stupid things. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to hate that take, but I don't care. Um, it's how I feel like. Um, I hate naked rebel troopers, but if it gets me to 10 activations with triple quad mandos, um, I will say again, going into my game, my first game, uh, last week playing this list, I was not sure if it was actually like viable, quote unquote, competitively, uh, after playing it, it 100% is. So like, there's so many different ways you can go like one mando, two mando, three mandos, so many different ways. Um, Blue man, I do think red man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paint them different ways: blue, yellow, red. Oh, like there's the schemes, the, 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 the op. Like we keep on go- going to it, but there's just like they're like a, the literal like Legion Swiss Army knife. Like it just has like everything you have could be there. Um, I think it's awesome for the Rebel faction, and, and you know, I think you're gonna see Mandalorians and lists for a long time. What's what sort of battle cards are you prioritizing? When you're building a Mando list. Recover the supplies. So ironically, David, without knowing it, put every um, card that I have in my deck on the objective cards, uh, which, uh, if I remember correctly, is 
recover the supplies, uh, bombing run, uh, moisture evaporators. And then I want to say it was probably breakthrough if I had to take a guess. Yeah, breakthrough. Right. Um, now, let me look at your condition. Supply drop rapid also in my deck. Uh, hemmed in, danger, close, advanced positions all on my deck. I don't have disarray just because I have one. I have Leia. I, I, and I, I don't know. I'm disarray. I get it. But the reason why, I, and this is to kind of go back to what Mike was going to, the reason why I like being blue is because I can stack the deck to everything that I like. Um, I keep alluding to my Yavin game. My battle card situation in Yavin was ridiculous. Like it didn't feel right. Um, I got danger close, um, Vaps and uh, limited Viz oh, with nice. quad Mandos, and that's because the battle deck was straight up skewed. That my opponent really had no options other than what the game got. I forced the limited Viz, and he had the options of either playing recover the supplies, bombing run, or motion evaporators. So what do you choose out of all that? Like he went, he went for moisture evaporators, which I get because if he goes up on points, he can kind of retreat and he forces me to come to him. Right. Cause I was blue, but my bat, like if you can get a, a battle deck with a Mandalorian list that skews towards those Mandalorians, it's going to be tough to beat them when you don't have standby sharing. Um, just to throw that out there. I mean, not to like, not to throw salt on we, everything. We got so far. Not so to throw far. salt on it. Mark, standby mark sharing. It. Standby time sharing changes it. Standby sharing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark the time of death of the podcast there. Yeah. <laughs> standby sharing changes that math a little bit. But for the most part, you can kind of control the game at turn zero, which is one of the most important parts of the game. Oh, yes. Uh, un- undoubtedly. And and I remember vaguely hearing some complaining about how Tauntauns did this too. It's like, why do Rebels get a unit that's good at all four objectives? I remember hearing some some murmur past murmuring about that. But yeah, here we, we have again a unit that actually is really good at four objectives. Um and they're they're sort of similar to Tons as well. Tons were good were not strictly good at recover, but they were good enough at recover where they could just like do an end run around your opponent's army and kill your back objective grabbers and then you would just win a recover game on a very low score. I mean I don't think I ever saw a recover game go two to zero before Tauntauns. Like that's very rare. Yeah, no, I agree. I I actually think that um, <laughs> this is gonna sound like blasphemy, but I actually think Mandalorians have a better objective deck than Tauntauns. Like Tauntauns often had a like the reason they were good was because they just like smashed your opponent in the mouth and like they hit them hard enough that like they couldn't get back up. Right. Whereas Mandalorians are like actually good at the objectives, you know, um, Tauntauns are not good at recover the supplies. They just smash your opponent so that, yep. so that they can't be right. Yep. Um, and I think Tauntauns that, make your opponent bad at objectives. Yes. That, that's, <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's kind of what it, um, comes down to. And whereas I think Mandalorians are actually like very proactive at achieving objective results, right? They're great at breakthrough cause they, you know, they do the thing. Um, they, they're great at bombing run. Um, they're also like when they do those things, they're also, they're much easier to hide, you know, like you're like, Oh, I broke through and, um, now I'm going to hide behind this building. You can't do that with Tauntauns. Like, they tauntauns can't hide that's not a thing they can do right yeah um 
you know, Tons can't pick up boxes. So, I mean, I think that like on the whole, Tons maybe work better with the the whole the whole army generally. But I think that like if I were to take one Tauntaun unit and one Mandalorian unit, and if you asked me like which one was better at doing it objectives, I would I would universally always say this Mandalorian unit is way better at achieving and like you know if I need somebody to go pick up that box like the Tauntaun unit. It doesn't help me at all, right? Um, which I think lends to their versatility, like we were talking about before. I was also going to say, um, when you're facing down, in, in the matchup, if you're facing down Mandos, especially triple Mandos, like, wave goodbye to one of your Tauntaun units, because if they can even see, like, a claw, they're going to get smacked with 12 Blast Reds, and uh, you don't you don't survive that mathematically. At least I don't think. No, and I also think that, um, you know... You you guys brought up standby sharing, so I'm gonna go there for a second. Um, Mandalorians can actually interact with their opponent at a range greater than range three, right? Like we we've talked a lot about rockets, but what we have not talked about is that like they can shoot a unit with a standby token and not get shot back at range four. Like that is a, that is a big deal, and I I know that it, it you know you're like oh they can only do it one time, but like sometimes that's all it takes, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you've got a couple units with rockets, like, you know, I, I think it's very different. Like, the, the Rebel Special Forces slot outside of Sniper is, like, it's all very short range, right? You've got Wookiees, you've got Tauntauns, you've got Mandos. And, like, the rockets are the thing that makes them, like, interactable on that axis. And I think that that's actually very important uh, uh, to, like, how they speak to the meta in in that regard like there's some play there how could you forget about pathfinders come on <laughs> Whew. yeah you're right uh pathfinders are bad uh i don't know what to tell you <laughs> what? What? <laughs> you know not just to, just the like something that was in the discord the other day someone was like well eight white dice at range three is really good uh and i knew they were discussing um um droids i knew they were discussing uh i can't think of the word right now um bx droids bx droids yeah thank you uh i knew they were discussing bx droids not pathfinders and i was like yeah pathfinders would like a word um because sharpshooter is like a big deal in that dice pool um because kyle i think i've seen you actually on stream throw a complete whiff with bx droids uh, if 100%, i believe 100 percent. yeah yeah against lj in that game i was yeah. there <laughs> <laughs> so like so like yeah like you feel like they're quality dice but they're still white dice even when they surge um just but not to go <laughs> to go on to a too big of a tangent so yeah. Yeah, pathfinders yeah well so do these i just want to talk to that for one second okay um so i think that um you know one of the reasons that the pathfinders don't fit fit that role very well is that unlike tauntauns wookies and mandalorians they are not very good at defending themselves right like all of those three the other three units in that in that list are either have a ton of wounds or super good saves or access to like dodge token shenanigans pathfinders have none of that and they're incentivized to be like under the gun with infiltrate like infiltrate's a very good keyword but like you know, as I'm sure a lot of people have like seen with Imperial Special Forces, like infiltrates very different when you've got red surging defense as opposed to white saves, right? Like, it's like, oh, I've got three up saves. Infiltrating 
is actually a lot safer than it used to be. Um, and I, I think that's kind of where that, that unit falls down in contrast to, to Mandalorians. Um, I just oh, want and, to touch on that quickly. And Danger Sense is notionally a great defensive keyword, but only like the third time that you get shot. <laughs> and usually by the time that happens, they're just dead. Totally. Right. Like, like <laughs> if, if Mandalorians had danger sense, like, great, right? Like, Ooh. you know, oh, that would be, be fantastic. Um, but, That's why volunteer mission with them is so amazing. Right. And, um, but like, <laughs> Pathfinders never want to get shot once. Like, as right. soon as they start losing models, you're like, yeah, I, uh, these guys are just going to sit back here and do nothing. <laughs> well, and they completely like pile on them, but the issue that that started this was the quality of attack dice too right so like while yeah they melt on defense the thing about mando's wookies and um tauntauns right is the fact that if they are in a precarious situation and they need to like make an attack that's worthwhile they have the quality dice to do that pathfinders don't have the quality of dice to do that on offense so they're like in a weird spot where they want to do what Mandalorians do, but they can't do it, if that makes any sense. Well, they can't do it consistently, right? Like, every time you roll yeah. an attack with, with a Pathfinder squad, you're, like, you're straight up, like, in the casino, just, like, jamming <laughs> on the machine. machine. <laughs> you're just you're just hoping, right? And yeah. you know you're at the casino, like, the house is going to win, right? That's just how this works. Whereas, like, Mandalorian Resistance, you're like, oh... I have four red dice. Like these don't miss, or at least they miss like a, a such like small amount of the time that like yeah. if if you get boned, like you just got super unlucky. Sorry, dude. You you go from playing the penny slots to playing third base at the blackjack table, basically. Well, you're yeah. you're at the blackjack table with like you know a card counter in your ear with Mandalorian <laughs> resistance, right? You're like the, like I always get three or four hits if I have an aim token. Like I always get four hits, right? This, like, this analogy only halfway works. Like you are still you are at the slot machine, but you're never gonna play the slot machine long term because that's obviously a losing proposition. You're trying to play the slot machine for the five spins, hoping that one of them is the jackpot. Right, you're never playing the slot machine long term because you're basically saying I'll give you a hundred dollars and you'll give me ninety back or whatever because that's what long term slot playing is. That's just mandated by law, right? The, the house can't take a certain can't take more than a certain percentage of money from you. But anyway, this became a gambling podcast suddenly. But, yeah, to get us to get us back on topic a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> do any of these objective choices change if instead of taking like a triple Mando skew, you're just running? You know, Sabine, Clan, Ren, and then like two snipers. Um, that's what I do. I point blank will say that I think that Rebel lists are in a weird spot with objectives, and I think that those four objectives are where you're going to be taking with a lot of Rebel lists, regardless. Like, I don't think you want key positions. I don't think you want hostage exchange ever. I don't think you should. I, no, no, listen. no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm here to make the case. For the rebel hostage. Oh no, 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 <laughs> yep. no! It's happening. This is not. It is happening. No, 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 no. Oh, so hear me out God. here for a second, okay? We've been talking about Mandalorians and flexibility and versatility, okay? You have the ability to reach out and touch a unit at basically range six with these Mandalorian resistance squads, right? Am I wrong? No, you're right. Okay, great. 
continue it. Um, so I know where you're going with yeah, this. You I actually, don't like. I don't like it. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I, you are entitled to your opinion. Uh, so you actually have a really good opportunity to like chase units at range down. Like if if you've got three Mandalorian units with with rockets, like you can you can alpha a hostage hostage unit off the board like in a late turn in a place where your opponent can't do much about it. Um I you know, I'm not going to say that it's like better than recover the supplies, but I do think that, you know, um there it's there's more of a conversation there than I think hostage exchange is bad. And you know, I I think do you want it against clones? Like obviously you don't want to take hostage exchange against clones, right? And I think that's enough to not bring it in your deck. Okay, do, wait. So here's a question. Does hostage limit your max speed to 1 or does it reduce your maximum speed by 1? It reduces your speed to 1. To 1 or by 1? I'd have to read it, their card. That's a good question. If it's by 1, then I see I see an argument for Mando's on well, well, hold on. Hold on. You're also now discussing the fact that if your Mandalorians are carrying your hostage squad, your hostage squad is dead, which usually happens when you're a rebel player because they uh, melt when holding the when holding the hostage. Or, or now, they're stealing the opponent's one. That's yeah, also fair. The or they're stealing the opponent's one. I get that. But you're putting your Mandalorians in a position that I don't think is ideal for them. I get where Mike is going with it. <laughs> so, but you're talking so about I'm putting them you. you're putting them into a position that they could get stuck in. And you think, listen, you're you might not get out. They don't have force push. Like it's a completely different story. If they I'm had a way you. to get out of melee, I'm with you. I think I, it'd be a different story. I'm not saying have your Mandalorians carry the hostage most times. Though, now that I'm thinking about it, I think there's an interesting conversation for Clan Ren to be like a hot... Can, is, it, is, it, is it just any trooper unit I'm having? No, I just core units. It's, it's just gotta be a core unit. Yeah, yeah, units that start yeah, with it, yeah. Sure. So, um, that's not a thing. But I do think too, that... Like, too bad you can't have Ursul like, execute your hostage carrier and then just take the <laughs> hostage. Well, you know, I, would, <laughs> I would probably bring a Mark II. Yeah, I, I got it, I got it. <laughs> and need, kill the take, Mark II and do it. <laughs> you take Sabine... And have her grapple line the enemy hostage carrier on turn two. Also, don't hate them, that. Freeze them in but place. You guys are putting them in spots they don't want to be in. We've just spent this entire podcast talking about how they want to dip, dunk, dive around the board, stay behind terrain. Duck, duck dive, these, dodge. Yeah, duck, dive, dodge. And you guys and are dunk. basically saying, here, I'm going to throw Sabine out here in the middle, grapple line something, to then have Clan Run come up, shoot them, and then take the hostage while being basically in the heart of your opponent's army because they're going to realize what the hell is going on Look, and they're going to want to shoot you in the face. All I'm saying is that I don't think it's... It's nearly as black and white as you're making it out to be. I actually think that I would rather play like hostage exchange as like a triple Mando skew than like I don't know uh, intercept or like key positions. Well, that's the thing; they're not in the deck. You're well, bringing, but, but I mean, like that's fair. But I'm also talking like. Like generally, like you're not always going to be a blue player, and I think well, there are, no. there are choices there. And but I do think that I don't hate hostage in the blue deck as like the fourth. Well, to go back to what I was prefacing before we went down this rabbit hole was that the cards that I would cut, and, and this is in terms of being blue, the cards that I would cut with Mandalorians, probably nine out of ten, whether it's a skew or one or two, okay, is. KP, hostage, and intercept. You don't want to play those three cards 
if you can avoid them, in my opinion, with Mandalorian lists. You want to play Recover, you want to play Breakthrough, you want to play Bombing Run, and you want to play sab, uh, Sabotage and Moisture Evaporators whenever you can. And, and then to go back to your point, I agree that it's fine to be red with uh, with uh, Mandalorians because most of the time your opponent's going to have Sabotage and Moisture Evaporators in their deck. And one of the best things you can do that we haven't discussed, well, we have it in a couple of different ways, but one of the best things you can do is go after a back vap with your you know, with your Mandalorians, no matter, like, no matter which one it is, Beskat or Clan Ren, they are so good at getting to the back vap as a red player. So I do agree there are situations where being red's fine as Mando. This is But bold. I do think you want to be you blue. Are, you, do you understand that hostage exchange and sabotage the moisture evaporators are basically the same objective? Yes, but <laughs> you have more control over the vaps than you do the hostage because... On VAPs, you can hide your rebel troopers. On hostage exchange, they're going to die. They are literally going to be blasted off the table, and you have no control over that, okay? Now, let's say you're also playing a medic skew list with your Mandalorians, right? You're now putting your rebel trooper squad. It's not a naked rebel trooper squad anymore. It's got an extra 18 points attached to it. So now you're starting at a 58-point handicap because you know they're going to die, um, or, or they're most likely going to die, I should say. They're not the I same just, objective. They're, I mean, so they're not. That was maybe a little bit of an oversimplification. <laughs> I knew what I knew what you were getting at. It's fine. But, I, but I know what often, you're saying. Both of those objectives are determined by kill points. They 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 tie fair. very. That's fair. Often, which right. was which was my main which was my point behind this. Yes. And, and Zach, it's I'm sorry the... you you got very animated there. I didn't mean to anger you. If you oh no no no, <laughs> I, I knew what your point was, but I wanted to seize the moment and just and get on you when yeah, I could. I yeah, I just I wanted to point out that I actually like. Going back to the, the hostage exchange thing, you don't have to kill the hostage exchange carrier with the rockets. It could be any unit, really. And as long as your mandos are able to pull back, you're okay. As someone that just played hostage exchange against David in our, um, you know, see, I'm, I mean, I'm drawing campaign. I'm drawing blanks tonight. I'm, I have dad brain. I didn't really sleep that much this weekend, okay? Um in our campaign, we just played hostage exchange. I killed everything in David's list except for the ATSD, Veers, and his hostage carrier. Okay. Do you know what that means? I lost the game. You know why? Because I couldn't go pick up the freaking hostage on my side because I have rebel troopers carrying that hostage. They died. Yeah. I said, listen, here's here's going we're off on a tangent here, okay? I, here, listen, this is exactly what happened in this campaign, okay? And you're going to see the video. We're going to post it soon, right? I have the hostage. I, 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 on round one, I say to David, these guys are going to freaking die. So I'm going to move once, and I'm going to shoot you in the face instead of double moving because no matter what, they're going to die. So spoiler, yes, my, um, for yeah. all of that I'm telling you right now. But just Mike's really – you're getting me boiled up here. I know. Uh, I'm, probably, I'm enjoying you know, it. I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Hot. I'm sweating. I probably look red. Um, hostage for Rebels is bad. I know, I was going to say, it's like, they're, they're like, you know, oh yeah, hostage exchange is the same as Vaporator, except you have the you have the honor and the privilege of selecting one core unit to get completely murdered by clones or juiced up shores. Here's, <laughs> here's a good question. Hold on, here's a really good question. David, if that game was Sab the Moisture Evaporators, yes. would you have won that game? Unlikely. 
because my mandos that went that again, I'm throwing all, all sorts of spoilers here. My mandos that I rapid reinforced would have been able to pressure evaporator yep. way better than they pressured your hostage exchange carrier. I probably wouldn't like, have, I probably would have had to focus the ST on them way sooner instead right. of just killing core. That's so the key, <laughs> the key the difference. Take, Mike, bad, bad hot take. I mean, I, I think I still think unless you're playing clones, you're just cutting hostage. Straight up. I agree. Exactly. To to further go down this rabbit hole, and then we should we should close this rabbit hole out and move on. The primary difference, yes, hostage and VAPS both often go to kill points, but the primary difference between the two of them is that on VAPS, your objectives are much safer than on hostage. Because hostage, both players' objectives start out in the middle of the table. So it plays out like a brawl over the middle. Whereas you can be much cagier on VAPS because you essentially have the whole map to play kill points with. Right. No doubt. And, I, and ideally, you set up your objectives blind, right? Or you set them up so that your opponent is blind to them. Right. No doubt. It was an oversimplification. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it was a right. fun oversimplification. <laughs> he bought you know, into the tape. Here's the thing. Sometimes it is convenient to ignore certain truths in order to prove a point. That was really all I was doing. Uh, it did work out. Sometimes that backfires. Yeah. He bought into the, you bought into the take. You ran with it. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. that's it. We're good. <laughs> all right. Let's. Uh, you guys got any more thoughts on Mandos? <laughs> They're real take, good. Buy three boxes. Take really. medics. Yeah. Take that. Medics. That medics. point is so important. Like uh, medics are really good generically in that they can bring back heavy weapons and stuff. If you are taking Mandalorians and you do not have a medic in your list. You're doing it wrong. That's a hot take I will stand behind. Well, why people stop taking medics. I medics are either. great. Yeah, I know. Ex- I'm going to say it again. They stopped taking medics because rebel troopers that had that they could go in got killed instantaneously by. <laughs> well, all our and stuff we, just dies to one attack, yeah. man. We don't have the chance to bring it back. Pretty and much. Like, and like the quote unquote net listing turned into like a min max situation where you're minimizing your weaker squads to maximize your better units, right? Yeah. Um, not necessarily min-maxing in the sense of, well, I'm going to do a 16-act rebel list. No, what I mean by min-maxing is you, you minimize your rebel troopers to maximize your tauntauns, which gets you to 12 activations or something crazy like that, right? Which is where you had no room for the medics, or your medics were never going to be close to your tauntauns anyways. Um, whereas the rebel metas shifting to a mobile army and this goes back to something i said earlier a mobile army but it's freaking infantry so you can kind of control what they do and where they're near and how you handle them they can go get hostages where tauntauns literally have to like are just a linear thing they just like charge the line um and yeah and that's i think that's why medics kind of shifted out uh which i still think was a little crazy because i think medics on snipers especially in Tauntaun list, you want your snipers to stay up. So I actually would have been, if I played Tauntaun, I would have been like in the mindset of playing 11 acts or like 10 acts where I'm beefing up my snipers or my Tauntauns or probably more in like the 11 act rather than 10. Okay, but like, to be but, fair, there were two Taun Luke Sabines with nine activations that ran double medic. Well, that's disgusting too. Yeah. That had winning right. records in majors. Yeah. Just yeah. put there i also think that um the conversation is that rebel lists have been uh pretty heavy on the bid front lately it's really hard to fit a medic in your list if you're like trying to include a substantial bid like yeah yeah if if you're trying to include like an 
eight plus bid, it it gets a lot more difficult to find the points for a medic. The medic is like the first thing you cut if you need a bid, and then you add points somewhere else is what you end up doing, basically. Yeah, yeah I just... I feel like people need to be taken more, especially now that Mandos are a thing. And I don't just mean that for Rebels. I think Empire players should be taking Medics, too. This is going to be the return of the Medic, for sure. We'll see. All right. So we, at some point, Mike and I are going to play a game this week with our campaign thingy. Uh, We won't spoil the result of Zach and David's game, but let's just say that the Rebels have some, some ground to defend here. On the, on the next on the next move so um you, you guys are are still you know i think we're still pretty up. well for yourself yeah we're still up uh but vader is attacking bespin bespin, bespin. and bespin has no rebel characters on it so it's gonna be vader versus <laughs> a generic officer and i'm gonna yeah. be in the position of running a rebel list with no unique characters again vader it's, smash. Gonna, it's gonna be fine it, it's gonna be vader running into 15 activations of <laughs> i'm sure i'm gonna, give me I'm gonna show up to this game and it's gonna be three fg turrets three snipers six naked rebel troopers and and like you know luke obi-wan dooku and a bunch of other stuff i'm sure it'll be great Nope, generic officer and whatever we can fit in there. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Mike, I don't know if you'll end up showing it in the video or we'll probably show it, you know, at some point. But the one thing that Kyle and I are doing is is def- is defending our area as well to keep you Imperial scum out of there. So, but uh, Kyle, this is a tough one. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because I think we're starting to see um... – like areas of the map bleed out a little bit like we've only lost a couple armies but like as soon as a couple more armies die i think we're gonna start seeing like large swaths of the map kind of um become easily obtainable um and it'll be interesting to see how we navigate that um because if you lose like four games in a row um you not only have lost four games and potentially some planets you've lost four things on the board that can hold positions right um which that might be something we have to revisit i don't know Uh, yeah i feel like it's more about the uh the trooper dudes than the actual planets themselves yeah i mean the planets are important for positional stuff but yeah every time you lose a trooper it uh you know i think we each side only had 18 to start with i think and i think yeah we were down to 17 and you guys are down to what 16 at this point so that sounds right yeah. yeah and um you know if it if it slides even farther there um might be might be tough yeah we got to get some of our there's there's a lot of rebel characters that are kind of shoved in the back by like yavin including luke and cassian (laughs) so we've been fighting battles with like generic officers and han solo and (laughs) we need we need to get luke and cassian on the mix we're being patient we're just being patient there you go all right well any other plugs? Anything else, gentlemen? Um, that should probably that that video is done. It should go live sometime this week. I've just kind of been waiting for a day to flip it live, so um, that will be up sometime this week. Uh, so yeah. Awesome. Well, we are the notorious scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. I'm Zach, and you should cut hostage exchange if you're a rebel player. And R2D2 sucks. <laughs> All right. Stay fresh, cheese bags.